Hello everyone and welcome to Play Crush. It's Joe Murphy here. This week we are joined by the extraordinary Golda Rochevel. I'm sure, like the rest of the planet, you've been binge-watching Golda on the hit Netflix series Bridgerton, in which she steals the show as Queen Charlotte. But Golda has a long list of amazing credits to her name beyond the mega-hit TV series. Her theatre credits include Othello, The Big I Am and Paint Your Wagon for Everyman Liverpool, The American Clock, A Christmas Carol, Electra and Carmen Jones for The Old Vic, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime and We Will Rock You on the West End, The Tempest, Julius Caesar and Antony and Cleopatra for the RSC, The Frontline and Romeo and Juliet at The Globe, Porgy and Bess, and Macbeth at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre, Now We're Here at The Young Vic and Angels in America at Headlong, to name but a few. On screen, there is, of course, Bridgerton, but also Silent Witness, EastEnders, Luther, Torchwood, the upcoming film June, the indie film smash hit Lady Macbeth, and her film breakthrough role in Lava. I'm sure you'll agree that is an impressive list from an impressive actor. It was a privilege to chat with Gold about all things life and acting. Her story is an amazing one, and she also happens to be an incredibly funny, charming, and wonderful human being. Golda's play crush is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom by August Wilson. It is an astounding piece of work, and Netflix are currently streaming a film version of the play starring Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is a 1982 play, one of the 10 play Pittsburgh cycle by August Wilson that chronicles the 20th century African-American experience. The play is set in Chicago in the 1920s and deals with issues of race, art, religion and the historic exploitation of black recording artists by white producers. The play's title comes from Ma Rainey's song of the same name, which refers to the Black Bottom Dance. Rainey, whose life as a well-known blues singer of the 1920s is an inspiration for the play, is also the titular character. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was published in the early 1980s and premiered in the Eugene O'Neill Theatre Centre. Its Broadway debut at the Court Theatre in 1984 won a New York Drama Critics Circle Award and garnered a Tony Award nomination for Best Play. In a Chicago recording studio in 1927, Ma Rainey's band players, Cutler, Toledo, Slow Drag and Levy, are gathered to record a new album of her songs. As they wait for her to arrive, they tell stories, joke, philosophize and argue. Tension is apparent between the very young and hot-headed trumpeter Levy, who dreams of having his own band, and veterans Cutler and Toledo. By the time Ma Rainey arrives with Entourage in tow, recording has fallen badly behind schedule, enraging producers Sturdivant and Irvin. Ma's insistence that her stuttering nephew Sylvester speak the title song's introduction wreaks further havoc. As the band waits for various technical problems to be solved, Levy and Cutler come to blows. Levy is then simultaneously fired by Ma and rejected by producer Sturdivant and in a rage fatally stabs Toledo, destroying any possibility of a future for himself. It's a beautiful, profound and ultimately harrowing look at the African-American experience in the 1920s and an exploration of the insidious nature of oppression. How oppression so often makes the anger and violence it causes be directed sideways against allies instead of upwards against the oppressors themselves. If you haven't read it, I can't recommend it enough. And the film version is pretty good too. And now, without further ado, here is Golda Rushevel. With my play crush, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom by August Wilson. Hello, Golda. How's it going? Hello, Joe. It's going really <laughs> well, mate. Oh, my goodness. So good to talk to you. Thank you for having oh. me. Oh my God, thank you for coming on. Incredibly excited to have you kicking off Series 3. I mean, you you are the start oh, of Series 3. So, am I? Um, oh, that's nice. Yep, yeah, number oh, one. Like that. so. That's great, number one. <laughs> number one. And how great. have you been? How's, um, how's 2021 shaping up for you so far? Uh, 2021 is, is being very nice at the moment. She's been very calm, um, which is good. Um, I'm been doing bits and pieces um, in a little show that I 
uh, <laughs> filmed a few years ago and came out on Christmas Day. Just a tiny little thing that I've been doing. Little um, thing. Look, just one of those little annoying shots. You've got to do it. No one wants to do it. It's exactly. never going to make your career go anywhere. Be like, like, all right, I'll do it. The bane of my life. Um, no, no. It's, as as you know, everybody will probably know, we're talking about Bridgerton and we are. Um, the Netflix hit. And I play Queen Charlotte in it, which is magic. And there's lots of other beautiful, gorgeous people, actors in it that we all know. Um, so I've been doing... Amazing. Little- I mean, I do feel like it should be called Bridgeton, colon, a Queen Charlotte story. Like that's, you know, that's what it feels like to me. But yes, there are lots of other great actors in it as well. Yeah, I mean, who knew? Who, who knew? I mean, you know. I'll tell you a little bit of a, a fun fact. I actually um, went up for um, Lady Danbury originally oh right yeah and obviously didn't get it but then they asked me to <laughs> they asked me to do a couple of little scenes of queen charlotte on like a self-tape <laughs> which i sent off and i you know me and my partner did in half an hour i mean we, i wasn't taking it seriously at all um, <laughs> and kind of went off it was just before christmas and i went off um i think we went down to the south of france or something for christmas and new year and like in the middle of christmas that week in the middle of christmas and new year i got a phone call from my agent saying um they they kind of liked you as queen charlotte and it's and <laughs> the director liked you uh the writer liked you and they're just waiting for shonda rhimes to give the okay <laughs> like, i was like what oh Okay, I mean, really? You know, it's one of those things where you search for the cameras, you know, the hidden cameras. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, you kind of go, wow, this is, this might be a reality. And then, yeah. you know, the kind of the week where everybody comes back after New Year, it became a reality, Joe. And yeah, who who knew a um, couple of years down the and line that it was... Are you aware, like... Um, sorry, I'm just uh, uh, many apologies. I'm going to have to talk about this for a while because this is just too <laughs> exciting, and too fun. Um, are you aware, like as an actor, when you get because obviously that's like quite a magic call, big series, big part, yeah. Netflix, you know, hit Shonda. I mean, the great Shonda. She's like, oh, I'm just signing off on me. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, are you aware, like? Were you aware? Because for me, Bridgerton sort of came out of nowhere. Like I didn't even yeah. see any hype about it or anything. Suddenly yeah. it was just everywhere. Yeah. Um, and were you aware when you got it? Did you think this would be a game changer? Or did you think, oh, this is a great job. That'd be really exciting. Absolutely did not know it would be a game changer. It was a beautiful job that I was doing. I was going in a couple of times a week for like two or three days filming it was in beautiful, lovely English countryside, beautiful, lovely English manor houses. You know, it, it was yeah. just one of those and beautiful people. I can't stress enough that the cast are just absolutely lovely, just gorgeous, gorgeous actor people, you know. And we were having we were having a ball and nobody knew, nobody knew kind of what we were doing, how it was going to be even edited or, you know, what what kind of Shondaland and, and, and Shondaland and Netflix kind of wanted out of this period drama, this mm. kind of weird, quirky, out there period drama. We knew it was, in the writing, you knew it was something that was, uh, that was a, a little bit more of a twist on your kind of uh, normal period drama. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, fun fact as well, the Queen Charlotte actually isn't in Julia Quinn's books that Bridgerton is based on. Um, Ah. Yeah, so that was really interesting to kind of be in this world that had already been created by Julia Quinn, but also um, to have the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The the kind of... um, Sort of freedom, freedom of that part? Yes, exactly, freedom to play with a character like Queen Charlotte that is in history, that was kicking around at that time, you know, um, that, Mm -hmm. you know, half the professors say that she was mixed race and she was and half don't. I'll go with the half that think that she was, (laughs) you know, because one, I think that's really interesting and kind of, you know, turns the dial up on you know, black people in British community. Do you know what I mean? In mm-hmm. British yeah, society. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a real great, um, yeah, freedom, as you say, mm. in playing Queen Charlotte. Um, 
and it was we were all playing and we were all having fun with these characters because you know they are larger than life but I think in the writing there is so much reality and so much kind of Mm. um you know it is a fantasy yes but I think you can really grasp on the reflection of characters and the pain that they're going through and Mm. you know the pandemic has really starved us of those Mm. going to the cinema going to the theater you know those those Mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. kind of escapisms that we need Mm. and I think you know Bridgerton really dropped at that moment where everybody needed that escapism so you know oh my god completely you could just yeah it was like um food to a starving man you know you could just tell that like um fun and uh, sure pain but kind of overriding joy and and energy and explosiveness and yeah and i I think that's right and like the best fantasy it cuts to truth right yes exactly absolutely agreed Absolutely. God, that's so exciting. And when, when you were filming, because there's also something you've mentioned, you know, about that sort of mixed mixed race um, potential uh, of Queen Charlotte and also the kind of beautiful diversity of the show. Yeah. Did that feel different um, oh when you God. turned up on a period drama set and you're like, this just looks and feels different? Absolutely. Yeah, completely, completely, completely. A hundred percent, Joe. And, mm. you know, I don't take any credit for putting Queen Charlotte in, you know, at the top of the food chain of uh, Bridgerton. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think it was a really clever and decisive move on Shonda, Shonda Rhimes and Chris Van Dusen, the writer and creator, to put, um, you know, uh, uh, the black queen, the, the mixed race mm. queen or the biracial queen, what, it, what however you want to say it, um, mm. Um, in you know at the top of the food chain so then you kind of give license to pushing those boundaries as far as Mm -hmm. you can you know Mm -hmm. and allowing black and brown artists black and brown actors black and brown characters to shine in a real real positive light you know Mm. um so that you know you you we have we are we are you know, capable of love. We are capable of tragedy. Mm. We are capable of trauma. We are capable, you know, and Ma Rainey really lends itself. If we're going to talk, you know, pop the play Mm. in there as well. It really lends itself to that as well. And August Wilson's writing. I think there's so, there's such a journey from Ma Rainey through to Bridgerton that really, you know, kind of, yeah, the stepping stone of black stories and, and how they were then and how they are now. I think mm. that, you know it's a tremendous journey that we've been that that we've been on. Definitely, a hundred percent. And yeah, it's interesting to link them because also what you talk about food chain, and you know, as we'll go on to um, when we talk about Marini's, who is the top of the food chain in that yeah. play is so interesting. Yeah, um, that fight for that position is yeah. so interesting. I think. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. It, 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 it's it's such a bold move, isn't it? Because if you put the highest ranking person with diversity in them then like you say it just opens up those boundaries for everybody yeah, else doesn't it and that's really exciting yeah and, and and thrilling and in a way i i think is part of um bridgerton's power you know it's, it's not just that fantasy it's not just those stories it's it's representation as well i think it's representation and incl- inclusivity do you know what i mean all of that stuff is front and center yeah but I like it because it's in a sense that um, it just does it, just cracks on with it, you know, and and that's kind of beautiful. Just from the first poster, you go, oh man, how exciting. You can just see what they're doing. And that's just thrilling, I think. Yeah. And um, just because I love gossip, talk to me about (laughs) what it's been like since, like since, like (laughs) I often daydream that I'm something to do with some sort of extraordinary global smash here, but it's never come to fruition yet. I mentioned yet, Um, but I mean, what is that like yet? Um, Well, yeah, exactly. What is that whirlwind like to be? It's pretty weird, Joe, because we're all inside. (laughs) 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 It kind of feels like it's all going out. It's all going on outside my front door. um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, we have social media, and yeah. I'm doing interviews and stuff, and a lot of lovely things are being said about the show, and that you know, it's award season, and yeah. it's popping up, you know, in several yeah, yeah, award yeah. categories and stuff, which is really, really great. Um, I think all of that is thrilling. I think it's fun. Um, 
I think it's, you know, it's a celebration of our work. Um, mm. um, you know, all of that stuff is really great. But but in terms of people stopping me on the street, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, people are following the rules and staying yes, home. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I've had some weird stuff happen on social media, like... Um, <laughs> Uh, uh yeah people claiming that they're my relatives possibly no yeah i've had a couple of people um that's amazing kind of, like, <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's what like i'm your fourth cousin once removed or something can we hang out kind of, yeah i that's mean amazing yeah really strange um you know my instagram went from a lovely 800 people and i thought that was amazing <laughs> to now i think it's i think it's nearing forty-eight thousand. so it's a little jump there's a little jump there. It's not really much. A little jump there, Joe. Little, little jump. jump. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, it's it's that kind of stuff where you go, okay, oh wow, okay, right. And is that pressure or is it joy or is it kind I of a mix of both? Joy. I think it's joy. Just a tiny bit of pressure, um, but mm-hmm. I think that's more pressure that I put on myself to be the best that mm-hmm. I can be. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think it's I think it's wonderful. I'm you know, celebrating it. I'm even celebrating the negative stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, there right. is very little. I mean, when the first trailer came out, um, you know, I was in the trailer and people were talking about the Queen and, you know, I posted the trailer and stuff and people were doing nice, nice comments, lovely, lovely comments. And then I came across this one comment that said, don't care, she's not in the books. <laughs> brutal. Absolutely brutal. And I was like, that's fantastic. I loved and I liked it. Yes, right. Yes, I like you, you know. um, (laughs) Apparently I'm amazing and must be protected at all times, somebody said. Nice. Yeah, Um, true. I I, I agree. I agree. And um, there was another post that was like, you are amazing, angry face, which I wasn't... Confusing, mixed messages. It was very confusing, but I loved it. I love all that kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, that's, you know, me sitting at home, Joe. that's the kind of thing that I'm receiving and enjoying. I mean, so surreal as you say that. I just, you know, I haven't really put two and two together. But so surreal to be of a moment like this, but basically still in your front room. (laughs) I mean, what else could you do apart from sitting in your front room? But I think through my career, I have never really been recognised only a couple right. of times, like for things, you know, my kind of Holby City adventures yeah, yeah. and that kind of stuff. But I think the characters that I play, um, they're so kind of other to me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're so kind of, they're quite, you know, they're extreme characters. Yes, right, and right, they're right. so fun to play. But the look is so divorced of my own look do you know what I mean yes yes that, yeah, that yeah. I think you know I'm not gonna walk down the street you know I don't walk down yeah. the in a huge wig and tiaras yeah. I feel and, like you should I feel like you should but fine that you don't yeah yeah but you know so it would be interesting to see I don't know it might all blow over dear and I'll walk down the street and nobody will ever recognize me but uh, you yeah, know and, uh, and then you'll get the wigs on you'll be like come on guys work yeah. harder come on you can, you can see who I am <laughs> It's me with a big placard and an, yeah. arrow, <laughs> and an arrow pointing to my face. Say, face. Come on, guys. Come on. But that's always kind of been my journey that nobody really kind of recognises me. But I can see that because, I mean, you got like, basically it's like Tom Cruise who plays Tom Cruise in every movie. Yeah. I love Tom Cruise. Yeah. But he is, he just, he plays Tom Cruise and I love yeah. it and I'm into that. But it's true. Your work is, is quite immersive, I think. And, and yeah. you do tend to disappear behind the character, which yeah. I think is the most fun acting I get to watch. You know, I love going to see an actor and go, whoa, I did not, yeah, yeah, cannot yeah. tell that's them. It's really yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, and, and just as you talked about that, I mean, it'd be great just to kind of chat where it began for you. you know, what has that journey been God. to global superstardom that we now enjoy from your front room? Um, you know, like where, um, where, you know, where did that start for you? Gosh, I think, I mean, I, okay, so family is very musical. That was kind of my first interjection to artistry or storytelling Mm -hmm. in a way. 
um there was music there was i was brought up on classical music um jazz mm. uh my dad played the steel plan pan guitar oh, piano great. my brother plays any instrument you can you can give him Plus <laughs> he has a, an amazing he went to king's college cambridge so he has an amazing um oh wow uh chorister voice amazing voice um, I had struggled with instruments. I always wanted to play brilliantly, like as soon as my fingers hit the keys and got so frustrated. <laughs> um, but having said that, I got I played the clarinet to think I, about, I don't know, four or five um, grade, maybe oh, six. I'm very not impressive. Sure. Um, but as soon as I started singing, that was kind of my in um, right. to an instrument. And mm-hmm. the first thing I ever sang was um, Handel's Messiah with my mother, I think at the age of God. Wow. Uh, we were talking about this the other day, like 14, 13, 14, 15, something like that. Well, like, the that first thing I sang was probably like Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. And like you're, you're hitting it with Messiah, like straight out. Yeah. No, no, no prisoners. I mean, all of that choral stuff for me, choir stuff is extraordinary. And I, I love wow. I love that. So, yeah, Handel's Matai was kind of the first proper um, thing that I sang with my standing mm-hmm. next to my mother in, in the in the in the choir. Um, so that was that was kind of my first memory of, oh, this is this is something nice and something juicy and, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but to be honest with you, I was an athlete before. That was kind of um, uh, a major player in my my life. Like I, you know, ran 100 metres. I threw javelin. I did long jump. I ran 4 by one relay. I broke records in 4 by one relay. I trained... Um, you know, to get to go to the Olympics and oh kind of God. in that way. And I was a tennis player and I was a hockey player. I was captain of my netball team. So that's um, really right up until, I suppose, like maybe, yeah, it was kind of 16, I was immersed in sports. Um, wow! And that was that was my life training, um, you know, getting up and training. And Harlow Athletics Team um, Club was <laughs> a, a big uh, club for me when I was younger. Um, that's where I trained. Um, and you know, I would do little bits of theatre work at school. I played Bugsy Malone in Bugsy Malone. Yeah, oh, of course. At my secondary school, yep. Uh, <laughs> um, so you know, one of my favourite shows, by the way. Yeah, one of my absolute favourite shows. Great, great show. So that was kind of you know going alongside it, and then I got an injury, um, and it was at that kind of teeny, you know, from kind of yeah, I suppose sixteen onwards that the theatre work and the idea of going to a college that did a diploma in acting mm-hmm. was 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 yeah a thing that I was really started to be interested in. Um, and um, did that come out of the injury? Was it, it because of, you were denied something else? It kind of did. Um, although I suppose at that at that point, I kind of remember juggling. Mm. Um, um, you know, like after school activities, rehearsing for the play, rehearsing for the musical. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Going to meetings, you know, for for the athletics and, you know, playing uh, at weekends and stuff, Saturday morning, playing hockey, you know, for my county. And so I kind, yeah, it was kind of being juggled and then the injury happened and, and it, I was out of all that stuff, but the, but the music and the singing and the acting kind of started to, yeah, develop more. And was that, I mean, was that like a blow? Did it, was the adjustment easy? No, Were you like, think, did it hit you? No, I think the adjustment was easy because as I said, it it's all that kind of art and creativity and music and has always been there since day one, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, with my family um, and having, you know, my brother going to quite a prestigious uh, school and mm. pursuing music. And um, it, it, it was an under, it was just an understanding, I think. Mm. And a, 
yeah, an understanding, and it was a, an easy transition. Mm. Having said that, when the Olympics were over here, I was out of work. I was about to work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you couldn't write it up. You, know, you couldn't make it up. That is brutal. It's really brutal. That's when I felt <laughs> that could have been me. Oh, no. Yeah. Absolutely savage. And it was so... Um, that summer was amazing. I remember that. It, was, it did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even I, who consider walking to probably be slightly too much exercise, even I was like, "Man, why aren't I an athlete? This is the coolest yeah. thing ever!" It's, yeah. it's so brilliant. Yeah. Okay, great. So you got into music. You went to college, and then so how did that turn into like what you do your life with? Like, what was the next phase for you? Yeah, I mean, I did my diploma in acting, and then I was I got into London Studio Centre because I was going to do musicals. Um, nice. You know, I was going to be what is that thing? A, a triple threat. I was going to a trip threat. Neck. Yeah, trip threat. Um, <laughs> I got into London Studio Centres, trained there, um, got my first job doing the, uh, the European tour of hair. Oh, fantastic. Job. And I got that while I was still at drama school. Oh, nice. Yes, I think I snuck out and went to the audition. <laughs> what, illegally? Absolutely amazing. I think so. I think so. And then I had to have permission, get permission oh, to God. go and do this tour. And I was I was in my last year. And so ev- while I was doing the tour, everybody was graduating. So then when I finished <laughs> the tour, I had to go back. Oh, to- no. What? And finish the degree? And finish the degree, yeah. Uh, what did that feel like? It's quite surreal, I, I imagine. That, I hated everything like that. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think, yeah. I wasn't a very happy, happy chappy, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. I think I got into uh, some scrapes there as well. Rebellion. <laughs> all of that. Yeah. You know, I had worked. The ego takes over. Yeah. I had worked yeah. and been out there and why do I have to go back? But um, yeah. I think, you know, it was the best thing best thing for me in the end. And then mm. I got um, Carmen Jones at the Old Vic. Yes. I mean, That was my bad. professional job at the Old Vic. Yeah. And so what, what, what was that experience? Say that again. Uh, what was that experience like? Oh, my God. I was a swing. And I had to cover eight <laughs> girls. And I mean, so you have to know eight tracks and parts, look, basically, yes, and be ready. You yes, you do. And I went on every single night, mate. Did you? I went on every single night for somebody different. Every single night. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. is this, were you breaking legs on purpose to make sure you could go on? Or was this just, <laughs> you know, fluky? Uh, I wasn't breaking legs. I think, um, <laughs> no disrespect to anybody, but uh, there was a lot of time off being had. I see. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that must have been great, though. I mean, exhausting and terrifying, but what a, what a sort of trial by fire. <laughs> I was just going to say into the lion's den. Um, <laughs> one gets an amazing opportunity. I love yeah. that show. Yeah, yeah it's a brilliant show. show. I mean, that that was quite a while ago now then, I'm guessing. It's a thousand years ago, hundred billion years ago. <laughs> you, know, you know, Ned at Stage Door was, was there. So yes. He, he can tell you when that, when yes. that was. And, um, well, at yeah, least it wasn't pre-Ned, because then we'd know it really was a very long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no. you just, I, so you just kind of were out there then and working. And yeah, what, yeah. And was it still musicals mostly? Or yeah, did you start to transition lot, into straight plays? Lot, no, the, a lot of musicals. So I did Jesus Christ Superstar. I did Tommy, all original casts. I did Fame. Oh, amazing. Um, I did, gosh, I did a lot of stuff. At, remember the Bridewell Theatre? Do you know the Bridewell Theatre? Yes, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Songs for a New World there and a few other things um, there. That was a great place. I loved working there. Such a beautiful yeah. It's an old swimming swimming pool, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, um, gorgeous. Yeah, it was lovely, and they built a stage um, uh, on on top of the old swimming pool. Yeah, it was really lovely. So I did a lot of stuff there. Um, so we will rock you was one of my gigs. Um, then I did uh, Daniel Kramer's hair. Like, hair seems to be a thing, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like at, a recurring theme in your work. It is a recurring thing. I did Daniel Kramer's hair at. Um, Oh, what's the theatre at Notting Hill? Mm-hmm. 
The Gate. The Gate. Thank you so much. I did, uh, yeah, Hair at the Gate for Daniel Kramer. And that's when the RSC got in touch. Sure. As they do. Come on. I mean, I know. Daniel was an associate there. And I know that they came down to see the show. And they called my agent to ask me to do, um, to audition for, Mm -hmm. they were doing the complete works. It was that year that they were doing the complete works. And I was going up for Julius Caesar, Anthony and Cleopatra and The Tempest. Mm -hmm. And I went up for it. Um, Again, kind of not really, I mean, you know, Shakespeare, I'm dyslexic. So I'll give you some kind of uh, background, kind of history. And and I'm dyslexic, quite severely dyslexic. So Shakespeare was never something that I thought that I would ever be able to do. I mean, it must have been your worst nightmare when you first opened up the pages. Worst nightmare. (laughs) Through sheer determination, as Gold Rochevel has, I got through it. <laughs> I did my little, you know, things. I had discussions with people and stuff like that. And, you know, there they, you have to kind of, yeah, all the directors have to kind of talk to each other because this can mm-hmm. be part and da, 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 and you have to kind of marry up. And they mm. wanted me to, um, um, I went up, yeah, I just went up for, for the roles. What were the roles? Charmian um, in the, t- in, um, uh, Anthony and Cleopatra and in The Tempest, The Witches, The Fairies, mm-hmm. and then bits and pieces in in um, in um, Julius Caesar. So I went up for, for it, didn't think anything of it. Joe, and I get this call from my agent saying, <laughs> the RSC would like to hire you. <laughs> and I put the phone down. <laughs> I thought she was taking the piss. Somebody was having a laugh, and I wasn't having it. <laughs> Quite a brutal joke. If she'd oh, been running that as a joke, I was just like, "There's no way." <laughs> and she phones back and was like, "Why'd you put the phone down?" I said, "Well, something that's not. I mean, really?" She said, "Yes, this is." This is the truth. They want you to go to RSC for 15 months to do these plays. And they also want you to understudy Cleopatra. (laughs) I was like, are you you kidding me? (laughs) So I went and had the most terrifying, extraordinary, (laughs) thrilling, exhilarating time there discovering this amazing, beautiful language, Mm. having the most amazing, glorious teachers who knew Shakespeare inside out and were so generous to Mm. me as a dyslexic um, and really, really showed me the way so that now, I mean, you know, being dyslexic, yes, I have to do a lot of work. You know, I'm mm. kind of 10 steps behind everybody else. So, you know, have to do a lot of work to get up to speed. Mm. And that experience for me, just it changed my life in terms of storytelling, how I view storytelling, how I view a piece of text, how I view Mm. a script and the way the writer works. Um, Yeah, it completely and utterly changed my whole life and gave me so much confidence to to the point now where, you know, yes, it is still daunting. I think it has to be daunting. You have to give it respect. And one one of the tricks that I did for myself when I was at the RSC to to kind of break down that oh, it's four hundred years text <laughs> is every script that I have had, and I really ad- advocate this to any per- any new person who's doing Shakespeare. Every new every script that I had, so I had three scripts. I would rub out William Shakespeare and put Will Spear. so that that it became a a modern script a new script a new piece of writing so that there wasn't this huge weight on it do you know what I mean yeah yeah brilliant idea and so I was able to kind of 
really trick my mind into seeing it differently. And it really mm. opened up the wonderment for me um, mm. that, that, was, that has been really important in the way that I, I look at my scripts now and the way that mm. I, I view Shakespeare. I mean, I don't do that now because it's kind of, it was, you know, it's been taken out of me and I understand mm. what it is and I understand the tools that I have to enter into um, a Shakespeare text. Mm-hmm. You know, doing Othello for me was incredible. Mercutio as well was incredible. And all, all the, you know, Romeo and Juliet, um, mm. you know, all those, 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 um, plays that I've done since then you know Mm. have really been amazing amazing experiences and you know such a joy to say those words and I think yeah it's it's a really good grounding and a really good kind of um yeah stepping stone into other texts yeah it's so interesting so at drama school where I used to direct for drama schools and I did a Richard III with a dyslexic actor student actor playing Richard III and it was such an uphill struggle in many ways for that actor right like you know to come to it but because of that hard work and because he had to get there earlier than everybody else he had to work harder than everybody else the performance was like extraordinary like it was so deep in him and so like part of him yeah it was uh, in a way like from what I can say when you when you're talking like that is that that obstacle almost becomes a benefit it, it has this it net does. gain at the end of it absolutely and it gives you access to other things it gives you access to imagination and heart mm. and empathy and you know instinct is a real that's where mm. my my work is primarily from is instinct in instinct I mm. really 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 do any research on anything. Mm. Shakespeare is probably the only thing that I that I do research on because I I have to, you know, no fear Shakespeare is a god. Oh um, tell me about it. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um and to kind of really whittle down and do that work before uh it is really important, I think, to get into mm. those those texts. But for me, my acting is is instinctual. Mm. Um, and I think because of my dyslexia that is like the dial of that and my imagination is turned up uh, Mm. tenfold you know and Mm -hmm. and I think you know as we were saying before most of the roles that I do are like really vibrant and Mm. or or that's what I bring to them anyway you know (laughs) vibrant and turned up you know (laughs) and and yeah uh yeah so, yeah, definitely. And is that, yeah, definitely. I think any obstacles, it, it's a recurring theme on this podcast with any of the actors talked to is that the, the ones who turn obstacles into opportunities seem to be, seem to access something even greater. Yeah. Um, and is that instinct the same when you're choosing roles? Like, do you go on, do you just go on your gut or are you thinking about it and worrying about it or? No, how does that I process definitely go on my gut. I definitely mm-hmm. go on my gut and my boredom level. <laughs> what of, of when you're reading it you're like if i'm yeah. bored i'm not gonna do it absolutely yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah i mean why would you put yeah why would you put your effort into something that really doesn't um grab you you know or, yeah. or you you don't see what you can do with it do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? mm-hmm. um because there are you know there are some scripts where the script's not 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 up to point but the character's like really interesting um mm. And sometimes that's not the case, you know, and I think yes. you have to be honest in that way, because otherwise, what are you, what, you know, that role could be, and that script could be good for somebody else, you know, yeah. I don't have yeah. to do everything as much as I would love to <laughs> all the time. I think, you know, let's hold up here, baby. We, we, <laughs> a lot of things can be shared. Yes, not too many, but like a few yeah. of them. Yeah. 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 Oh God, that's brilliant. And I mean, that guts and instinct just kind of, I feel like naturally brings us on to your play crush, the absolutely extraordinary Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, And is this another one of those plays that just got you in the guts and got your instincts going? Well, listen, I have a very, I mean, my kind of history with August Wilson and these plays, like I... I don't know. I think I was in a stage of my acting career where I was like, you know, black plays, 
oh, oh, you know, that kind of, oh, God, here we go, another one. Why do they always do, do you know what I mean? That kind of, yeah. oh, I want to do something that's not black. I want to do something. Why is it always, you know? And I think when Ma Rainey, when I first heard of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, it was on at, I think it was the Old Witch, mm-hmm. many, 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 many moons ago. And I thought, that's a ridiculous name for a play. Ridiculous <laughs> name for a play. What is that? So didn't go. <laughs> and then I mean it is an odd name let's not lie it it's an odd name, name. it is an odd name I didn't know the history didn't want to know the history and then somebody took me to Fences Lenny Henry right at I think that was probably at the Aldwych or some, somewhere along that mm-hmm. uh, that theatre line and I was smacked in the face mm-hmm. by this extraordinary piece of storytelling and from then on, I was like, what have I been doing? I was like hooked. <laughs> I haven't read all of them because, um, you know, dyslexia is very difficult for me to read things. I listen mm. to things most of, the, most of the time, audio. Yeah. But Fences for me was my in. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, he's such an extraordinary writer in mm. the way he... He puts down the mundane mm. of life, of community on the page. And you sit there and you go, why am I, what am I looking at? I don't understand. This is just like normal every day. This isn't moving. This isn't. And then there's something that just like, he'll pop something in that's just like catalysts this whole big rip. Mm through the space, through the community and through the characters on stage. And I just think that's, and also it being about the black community Mm. and not really seeing anything like that or reading anything like that before that really captures, you know, the humour the vulnerability, mm. the art, you know, talking about Ma Rainey, art, religion, gender, mm. yeah. um, sexuality, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 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 exploitation. Mm. But it's done in a really subtle, natural, humanistic, is that a word, human way? It should be a word if it's not a word. <laughs> that just makes my heart pound and beat, you know, and just gets me sitting on the edge of my seat. And that that's great plays, isn't it? That's that's when you know you've got a great play on your hands when you hear that. Absolutely. Great storytelling. It's storytelling for me is a really big... Because, yes, you can have great plays, mm. but it's the storytelling for me, Joe, that I think is... Mm. that really grabs me and it's what I want to do as an mm-hmm. actor. I want to be a storyteller, mm-hmm. um, first and foremost. And storytelling to me is, it's about music. It's about heartbeat. It's about soul. It's about sweat. It's about skin. It's about your brain. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's all of those things that I think August Wilson really taps into um, in his plays. Mm. And, Ma Rainey, you know, for me, I saw the film um, recently. Oh, the amazing uh, Chadwick Boseman. Davis and Chadwick Mm. Boseman. And and that's, I think, why I'm talking about it today with you, because then I went back and read the play after I'd seen Mm. that film and was just like, God, oh, my God, you know, this is just, so incredible and and you know what's going on for me as well in Bridgerton and my life and and storytelling at the moment so I really relate to Ma Rainey and Mm. you know I was saying to my partner having closed the last page of it you know going god this takes me back to some really difficult memories as a black actor being rejected for work um, mm-hmm. that really taps into that kind of, not exploitation as such, but I don't know. I was told once that 
I was too exotic and my eyes were too close together to play a part that I had been playing on tour already. Oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. Um, but this was for a screen version of it. Oh, my God. Um, and that... That really affected me, Joe, to the point, I mean, I, you know, to, to the point, and this relates to the trauma in, in Ma Rainey. When I got the news that I wasn't going to get the part that I had been playing on tour mm-hmm. for a year, I was, I basically <laughs> beat up a wardrobe. Oh my God. I tore that thing apart. And it, it really, and Ma Rainey triggered that memory for me hmm. just in terms of the frustration that, you know, black artists have with, with the rejection that they get and how, you know, I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because I didn't understand the feedback. I couldn't do, I can't do anything about the way I look or the way, or the, or where my eyes are placed. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can't yeah. do anything about that. Yeah. So it, it really broke my heart because, you know, I'm a great believer in going, okay, let's take the negatives. Mm-hmm. You know, let's take the note, take the note, you know, mm. From a director, because then mm-hmm. I can do something about it. I can fix it. I can make it work. I can, you know, create something out of that negativity. I, I was helpless. Mm. I was helpless in that moment. And another moment where I had done a few of the workshops of this piece. I'm not going to name any of these any of these things mm. because I don't think it's relevant. I think the relationship with this play and my emotional connection to the, that the traumas of the, mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. rejection is important. So another thing that I'd been doing most of the workshops for, and I advocated for the for the role. I really wanted to do the role, but I was told I wasn't black enough. <laughs> and again, I was older and wiser when this news mm-hmm. came. But I was, I was like, this is extraordinary that we're using this language. Mm. Still using this language, you know, to, to cast roles, to, mm. to, you know, manipulate. And yeah, yeah, it was quite extraordinary. And, you know, to this day, I, I don't understand it. Mm. you know and uh, I hope in my heart of hearts that we there's definitely a long way to go but I I, I hope in my heart of hearts with Bridgerton and people like Shonda Rhimes Tyler Perry Oprah Winfrey you know Mm. Ava DuVernay Mm. these people of colour Steve McQueen at the moment as well exactly brilliant brilliant put in there um you know, that these black and brown artists have worked their way up to the top of the food chain, mm. that then, you know, have a place at the table, mm. that, that these stories, these actors, these, you know, yeah, black and brown, the black and brown community can be re- represented. All communities mm. can be represented, let's say, mm. you know, mm. that, that there is inclusivity and, and representation there. You know, it's starting. It's definitely mm. starting. And I have great, great hope. But there's a long, long way to go. Mm. But, you know, going back to Ma Rainey and the kind of, gosh, um, how August Wilson really captures that trauma. You know, I have an understanding of that, Joe. I really do. I mean... I, you know, it's it's amazing to hear those sort of incredibly personal experiences. And I mean, because I'm a white male, right? Like, you know, my levels of privilege mean I just haven't had to witness that or experience yeah. that. And yeah. so it's, it's it's harrowing to sort of, you know, 
hearing that and I feel like those stories are being told more but as you say it's just at the beginning yeah. and we start we start so far behind the line that there's so much catching up to do yeah. but yeah. was Queen Charlotte in some so Charlotte my partner always uh, takes the mick out of me because I can't say Charlotte properly Charlotte <laughs> Queen Charlotte I have to always remember where the emphasis goes yeah, yeah. Um, was that um, was there a sense of vindication in there you know or or or, or some breakthrough in kind of going from those two experiences, that role, did it feel like a shift? Did it feel like something different? Absolutely. Did it feel like Absolutely. a catharsis? Um, and, and why it felt different was the people at the top who we were working with, you know, Chris mm-hmm. Van Dusen, who is the showrunner and writer and creator of, mm-hmm. um, of Bridgerton, really created a space where for the first time I felt seen for the right. first time, I knew I belonged. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a language now, which I think is really interesting. There's a change in the language. So before, you had colorblind casting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you have a co- color conscious casting, mm. which I think is something that Chandeland and Chris um, are, are trying to advocate in, in the way that we speak about Bridgerton and how it was cast. Mm. You know, for me, <laughs> colorblind casting has the word blind in it. Why would yes. you be blind to the color of a person's skin? Yeah. That's that's completely, it, it kind of, yeah, it's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's say mm-hmm. it. Um, because I think that language created a space where, where, it was okay where how can I say where consciousness Mm -hmm. wasn't involved in the casting there was a Mm -hmm. kind of oh yes let's do this let's cast a black person but let's look the other way kind of thing do you Mm. know what I mean yeah there wasn't any responsibility taken yeah it lets you off the hook that language yeah exactly it lets you off the hook perfectly put if you are conscious in your casting, mm-hmm. consciously cast black and brown people in those roles, you are an ally. You mm. are you are open. There's a more open dialogue, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People can see what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've only kind of I've, I'm only just kind of discussing this now. Um, it's a very new thing that I've gone. Oh wow, this is really interesting. Mm. you know this is a different way of of looking at casting and Mm -hmm. a different the language is different so which you know one language is closed the other one is open yeah you know what I mean yeah and more generous yeah um and I think definitely you know the empowerment that I felt working or, or that I feel working for Shonda Rhimes and Chris Van Dusen mm. is extraordinary. I've never felt that before. I mean, even going into, you know, my makeup fittings and wig fittings at the moment, mm. you know, they talk to be, to, they talk to me about the texture of my hair mm. and how they can incorporate that into the wigs. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, you saw dreadlocks, the queen wearing dreadlocks, the queen, you know, having little, you know, I have uh, on my hairline some kind of baby hairs. So Mm -hmm. we incorporated that into the wigs. Amazing. You know, to to sit down and talk to the makeup designer and for her to say, right, so you have, you know, there are so many different shades within your skin Mm -hmm. tone within mm. black people's skin tone. It's not just one skin tone. The lighter you get, mm-hmm. the less uh, colours you have in your skin, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So the darker you are, the more colours you have in your skin. And right. it's about creating a, a, a foundation, let's say, that mm-hmm. matches your skin. So you take from different colours to make one mm. colour for that person. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And to have those, I never had those conversations, Joe. Never, never. 
in my career. I mean, it's something we've been, you know, I've been very privileged to sort of just sit in on a lot of conversations recently. And um, from artists of colour, a big thing has been skin, makeup, hair and wigs, yeah. you know, like the the assumption that they can just get, that, that all the white people have it done. Yeah. But the person of colour just kind of have to deal with themselves because the designer doesn't, isn't, hasn't been trained in that context, hasn't been yeah. told that's important context. So that it sounds quite revolutionary. Uh, although it, it could sound small if one didn't yeah. know the previous experience it sounds quite revolutionary that that has been on a show like that has been taken into such consideration and yeah. with such I suppose a white dominated genre as well that's what's kind of exciting about it yeah I mean you know let's not dismiss Downton Abbey yes and yeah. Brown and yeah. Jane Austen and all of those Sunday night dramas, that you know, period dramas that we were all brought up on. I definitely <laughs> was brought up on them. Let's not dismiss yep. those, you know. They they had their place and they still yeah. have their place for those who want to create them. Yeah. But I think times are a-changing. And I yeah. think Bridgerton definitely opens the door uh, or, or squashes those conversations you know that have that have been had over the years of going. Oh, we can't find uh, black actors. Yes. You know, yeah. in this time, it just didn't it didn't work. Or you know, those kind of discussions. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. There is place now for um, a more broader discussion to be had. Definitely, and I sort of feel like that's what Ma is kind of fighting for in Ma Rainey's life. She's having yeah. to fight for that space so hard, isn't she? Whilst it's yeah. kind of besieged from so many different angles. But yeah. the, and the I think fight they, for they that space. All, everybody, yeah, absolutely. She's the dominant one, definitely. But I think, you know, Levy as well is fighting for yeah. his space, fighting for his future. You yeah. know, <clears throat> um, there was a thing that I was reading about his yellow shoes and about mm. how that, you know, the, the kind of um, uh, August Wilson, you know, all the way through all of his plays has kind of metaphors and kind of, you know, things that um, symbolise stuff. And, and mm. the yellow shoes for, for Levy kind of symbolises his ego, mm. symbolises his pride and... Mm you know, his kind of uh, attitude towards his own talent and all, all of that stuff, you know, mm. and and the, the, the shoes all the way through, you know, begin with a kind of a, a flourish of positivity. Yeah. Him, of hope and, you know, he's going to make it, he's going to, you know, blah, 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 and then end up kind of as his downfall. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think a lot of kind of the characters in the black community at that time and, and, and possibly now, you know, yeah, have that kind of, that journey. Mm. And the downfalls are less, I would say, you know? Yes. Hopefully um, there's a, a turning of that tide. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's sort of taken a hundred years nearly to sort of even get near it, which feels yeah kind of shocking. But I also think something about Levy that's so sad as well is there's this sort of insidious nature of oppression because his anger doesn't go up to Irvin or Studevaker, you know, the other yes. producer. His anger yes. goes sideways to friends yeah. and family. Yeah. And I feel like oppression does that. It pushes everything downwards, including anger and vengeance. And I find that so sad and so extraordinary the way August put his finger on that in the writing of the play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we only know about the, the, the tragedy and the conflict between black and white, don't we? Mm. I mean, that's kind of the thing that is at the forefront. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, we never kind of hear... Or, well, I mean, I hear, but I don't know whether, you know, the community or, or the world kind of hears of the conflict within colour, mm. mm -hmm. within black community, within, you know. And these guys, the guys in Marini are quite nasty to each other. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Are yeah. quite brutal mm. to each other. Yeah. You know? 
as is Mar as well, isn't she? I suppose, she, she, I suppose she, what what the players have in some way proves at that time is Mar's brutality was necessary to yes. hold the space, which is also it's just sadness upon sadness upon sadness. It's just brilliantly written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that determination of a black woman at that time to not mm. be taken for, you know, it's so complex, isn't it? Because she is taken for a ride. Yes, know? yeah. But her, there's, there's yeah, her de- defiance absolutely is necessary and her kind of determination. But, but, then, but then she understands that she's being taken for a ride. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an astonishing play. And I'm so glad you chose the play crush. It's the first August Wilson we've had on play crush. And oh, wow. for anyone who hasn't read it, the Pittsburgh cycle is like unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's and I'm going to try and get through that if I can. Yeah. yeah. You know that Denzel Washington, Denzel Washington has had um, um, the rights to do all of the Pittsburgh cycle. As movies. Yeah. Yeah, put it into film. Put them oh, into so film. good because they've done fences and now Marini's. So Marini, yeah, he's going to do one every year apparently. Ah, oh, what I mean, what a treat that would be to have that. And I, I feel like they're being quite um, for anyone who wants to watch it. It is quite loyal to the play. Like they're not shifting much of it around. Yeah, they're not shifting. And you know what I find fascinating as well is when you watch them as a movie, you still get a feeling of the play. Yeah, definitely. Well, Golda, look, thank you so much. It's been such a privilege to chat to you today and to be so open and sharing all your experiences and, and your thoughts on, on this extraordinary play. I really appreciate welcome, it. Sir. Most welcome. Thank you so much uh, for being on and we'll hopefully uh, speak soon. Yes. Stay safe, my friend. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. If you enjoy this episode of Play Crush, we would really appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe as it helps other people find the podcast. The Old Vic would like to thank principal partner Royal Bank of Canada and the T.S. Eliot Estate for their support. Sherman Theatre would like to thank the Arts Council Wales and everybody who has supported us through this difficult time. <laughs>